0: Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with Jared Ansack, Chief Digital Officer at Sanford Health. I'm Kate Gamble, Managing Editor and Director of Social Media. In this segment, Ansack talks about how Sanford is leveraging its large footprint and investing in digital tools to provide urban care to rural America, the fundamental difference between digitization and digital transformation why he believes it's so important to have both a dedicated CIO and CDO, and what healthcare can learn from Chick-fil-A when it comes to knowing customers. So why don't you start by just giving an overview of the organization, where you're located. I know that you guys are pretty big, so just a, a high level overview.
1: Yeah, so Stanford Health is actually the largest rural health system in the United States. So we're headquartered in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and we have a geographic footprint that extends about 250,000 square miles across parts of South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, and Iowa, where we serve well over a million patients through our 47 medical centers and about 2,800 employed providers. But you know, 250,000 square miles. So if you could envision, that's it's about the size of Texas, kind of spanned across the upper rural Midwest. So a fairly large and expansive geographic footprint. But in addition to our our hospital network, our integrated health delivery system, we also have a health plan uh, which serves about 220,000 members. And then we have our Good Samaritan Society, which has over 200 senior care locations, the largest senior care organization uh, in the country. And then we have World Clinic locations in about eight different countries around the globe.
0: Okay. So having the health plan, I would think that that's been advantageous for you getting access to, you know, some of that information.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Sanford was actually one of the first health provider organizations that spun out a health plan, and it really does allow us to, you know, have that sort of vertical integration approach to serving our consumers, our patients, our members in a comprehensive way where we can, you know, ensure that we're meeting their needs in the best, best ways possible.
0: So as we said, you cover really a a huge amount of ground. I would imagine that comes with its challenges.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I would say, you know, as the largest rural health system, it definitely comes with a unique set of challenges, but also opportunities when it comes to, you know, serving people in our communities. You know, it really was the emphasis on rural that was one of the, the really compelling factors that drove me to joining this organization. You know, the commitment to providing urban care to rural America in providing services to to people who otherwise wouldn't have access to high quality health care without, you know, Sanford Health was one of the things that, that really was interesting to me, but as a chief digital officer, it definitely presents a a unique set of challenges, right? So people living in rural America have a lot of unique um, circumstances and access to care is really one of the most significant determinants of health. So two thirds of our patients live in rural communities and, you know, as we're all aware, people living in rural communities likely have access to fewer resources, including higher rates of poverty, food insecurity, chronic disease, often a combination of factors that lead to poorer health outcomes. And so, you know, I think we saw, especially during the pandemic, with COVID-19, which, you know, luckily is we're coming to the end of, at least formally, mm-hmm. um, a lot of those challenges were really exacerbated and they really took a disproportionate toll on, on rural America. The other thing that I would say is the vast majority of the counties that Sanford Health serves across the upper rural Midwest are federally designated provider shortage areas. So we just simply don't have enough doctors to help care for, you know, some of the communities. And so we're really committed to removing some of the barriers that prevent people from being able to access care in really compelling ways. As I think about some of our patients in the communities we serve, there are some that have to travel 3 to 4 hours just to get to the nearest doctor's office, right? And as you can imagine that sacrifice of time and resources to make that pilgrimage across really hazardous roads in the wintertime, especially um, being able to take time off of work or valuable time out of the harvest or finding childcare and reliable transportation, all of those things can, you know, really compound to create barriers for, for people being able to get the care that they need.
0: Yeah. So it really becomes glaring how much of a need there is for digital health and these the many offerings that can bring care closer to patients.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, we're really excited. We had recently sort of a renewed focus on, you know, really extending our virtual care uh, capabilities. So in 2021, 2022, we launched a virtual care initiative which was a, a $350 million project for our system mm-hmm. to really ensure that communities that we served are able to receive accessible, affordable, and equitable care. So over the last 12 months, even, we've had over 100, 110,000 virtual visits you know, across Sanford Health. And virtual care isn't a new thing for us. We've been doing virtual care. With consults over the last decade. And we've calculated that that's amounted to roughly 23 and a half million miles saved by patients who didn't have to travel great distances, you know, um, in order to see their doctor. So really, this initiative is just going to allow us to accelerate some of the great work that we're already doing, and really double down to ensure that we're helping to provide care when, where, and how our patients want it and need it. And really to extend services that are in short supply, you know, across our footprint. So going back to some of those federally designated provider shortage areas, one of the areas that, you know, we struggle with, just like a lot of health systems, is a shortage of behavioral health providers. And behavioral health is such a big need for you know, our patients in our communities, um, as well as a lot of people. But as I think of some of the benefits of being able to deliver a virtual behavioral health experience, yeah. right? it helps to remove some of the fear, maybe some of the, the stigma that comes with physically driving to a clinic, worrying about whether your neighbors are seeing you get out of the car in the parking lot of a behavioral health clinic. And really, it gives those patients, as we've heard you know, directly from them, that comfort blanket of anonymity, where it allows them to be able to engage with the services that they need from the comfort and convenience of their own home. And from our provider's perspective, our providers have indicated that there's, there's something special about being able to see a patient in their own environment and to be able to see their surroundings and their atmosphere so that they're able to understand you know, some of the circumstances that they're living with and be able to provide, again, the right care for the right people at the right time.
0: Yeah. Interesting. That makes sense. And I like how you also emphasize that even though the, the time it takes to get to a clinic, the travel time is important. It's not just that. It's about taking time from work, taking time from harvest or childcare and all of these things really add up. So it's not just mileage. Absolutely. Okay. so So that's a pretty big initiative. You were talking about the virtual care initiative. So can you just talk about some of what falls under that
1: yeah absolutely. So a number of different things fall under that initiative. One of those is, as I mentioned, really expanding some of the great work that we're already doing with a focus on virtual primary care, virtual behavioral health, you know, some of those specialties where we're needing to meet our patients where they're at. Last year in the in the summer, we broke ground on a new virtual care center, which is you know going to be located here in Sioux Falls and essentially be a place where we can share best practices, train some of our providers, bring members of our community in to teach them about some of the different tools that we have available so that they can understand what virtual means. One of the, the concepts that we talk a lot about in our medical schools is that medical students are trained on this concept of bedside manner. But as we move into this new digital era, sometimes we forget about website manner. Right? Yeah. What does it take to yeah. connect with a patient through a camera through a, a digital screen and still make them feel important, feel, still establish a relationship with them, still make them feel heard and validated. So just little things like that really go a long ways just in terms of uh, making patients feel safe and comfortable um, receiving care through some of these different digital technologies. But at that groundbreaking, we had we had a big forum, a summit called, you know, the future of rural healthcare, um, where we really engaged a lot of different industry stakeholders, policymakers, and other leaders to kind of help uh, shape the future of care delivery in rural areas. And it really was the first of its kind in gathering this kind of group together for a dialogue around improving care access, reducing costs, and closing disparities of care in rural and underserved communities. We had folks from Organizations like Microsoft, okay. Centers of Medicare and Medicaid Services, Medtronic, Salesforce, the American Medical Association, American Medical Group Association, and many others. And, you know, one of the key takeaways from that that I thought was really inspiring was the recognition that while being the largest rural health system in the country certainly provides some challenges, it also provides us with some unique advantages, too, that can really enable us to innovate in partnership with our local communities. So rural communities really have the ability to solve some of the most complex issues in healthcare without all of the economic overhead and bureaucratic limitations that might exist in an urban setting. You know, several years ago, I I remember reading that the average cost to build a hospital bed was about one and a half million dollars. So if you think about that and you think about the investment it it takes to build hospitals and to create this brick and mortar infrastructure I can only imagine that that's increased, by the way, over the last few years with inflation and everything else. But that adds a lot of pressure to offset those costs. Sometimes that pressure comes at the expense of innovation and trying new things. So we're we're extremely optimistic that we can really solve for some of the most daunting challenges in healthcare with digital health and can really establish a model that others can follow starting right here in, in rural America.
0: Yeah, and when you talked about the advantages, um, it's one of those just the fact that the community is a bit more tight knit, or maybe that it's easier to get information or work with certain community organizations. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, it's the recognition that we're all in this together and Mm -hmm. that we're all, we're all striving towards the same goals and um, that we can't do it by ourselves. Right. So sometimes health systems think that they have to solve all of the problems. And when you start looking at the data and the social determinants of health and you recognize that the actual healthcare care delivery really accounts for only a small sliver of an overall person's health and well-being, you realize that there's a whole ecosystem of needs and, and services and capabilities that a health system isn't providing today and, and quite frankly can't provide. So it really is a joint effort and it really does require partnership and collaboration. And, you know, in some of these smaller local communities, and, you know, we can solicit that cooperation and those partnerships in a really meaningful and dynamic way.
0: You talked about getting that rural health uh, initiative. So, is that something that you see as happening more frequently, or again?
1: That's a really good question. We're we're still right in the mix of it, right? Trying to figure out how to best leverage the resources that we have in meaningful ways. And one of the things that you know we're really, I'm really focused on as the chief digital officer too is ensuring that we're not just digitizing existing things. And, and what I mean by that is, I think it's important to note that digital transformation is not the same thing as digitization, right? Mm-hmm. So digitization takes existing processes and workflows and really just performs kind of a, a lift and shift into a new tool or a new technology. And you know I would argue in many respects, the rush to implement EHRs over the last 10 to 15 years was primarily a digitization event. We took existing workflows, either that were on paper or they're on a different tool, and kind of lifted and shifted them into a new tool without really fundamentally asking some of the hard questions like, does this process make sense? Have we added too much complexity? Is it really a value add to ask these questions? So digital transformation really does that, right? It addresses the people, the process, and the technology holistically, and really fundamentally transforms the business and the care delivery model. It doesn't just superimpose technology onto existing labor-intensive processes, but really seeks to transform the who, the what, and the how in order to create greater efficiencies and improve productivity and really enhance that, that care delivery experience. So it's fascinating, I think, that healthcare is the one industry that, you know, as we've added more technology to it, has actually seen less productivity results. And every other industry over time, the more technology you add, the more productivity and the more efficiencies you gain. Yeah. And, and healthcare is the opposite, right? So I think yeah. there's a huge opportunity to really apply digital transformation to simplify and to remove some of the complexity and some of the non-value added processes that we've just sort of have become ingrained over time.
0: Yeah, It seems like you're addressing a key part of that with the education component, with physicians. There's really seems to be a need there. You know, like you said, medical schools are set up a certain way and that's care is always going to be really important, but we've got this whole new component now and you can't just kind of squeeze it in. You have to really make that part of the whole education.
1: Absolutely. And I think healthcare is is just prime for disruption, right? As we really embrace this concept of digital transformation with really an eye towards improving engagement for consumers and productivity for caregivers, right? How do we do more with less? Some of the workforce challenges that every health system is experiencing right now, I think is a great catalyst for rethinking how we can improve productivity and how how we can rethink, you know, gaining efficiencies. So one example of a a current investment that we're making at Sanford is to really digitally transform our patient access experience. So patient access is, you know, the folks who sit at the front desk, when you walk into a clinic, they help schedule your appointment, they help register you, verify your insurance, collect any co-pays, you know, validate your demographic information, and then get you checked in in preparation for your visit. You know, from a patient's perspective, nobody likes coming to the clinic and getting handed that stack of paper forms um, that are completely blank, that you filled out last time you were there, and you have to fill out again, right? And so we're really looking at how do we digitally transform that experience, both for the benefit of our patients, but also for the benefit of our staff. Because the reality is we just don't have enough staff right now to do some of that work, that manual data entry. So we're working to deploy this new digital registration experience that allows our consumers to essentially engage and complete their digital registration from the comfort and convenience of their own home with their own device, you know, at a time of their choosing so that they don't have to sit in the waiting room and fill out those paper forms. It's pre-populated with all the information that we already have about them. They're just able to verify and validate what's already there. They're able to make any co-payments. They're able to verify their their demographic information. And when they come to the front desk, it's less than five second conversation to say, you know, what's your name? Oh, I see that you've already checked in online. Mm -hmm. Great. Have a seat. It's a much more pleasant experience for our consumers. And it allows our caregivers to move from data entry to data validation, right? To work at a higher level and to do more, you know, value added kind of work. Since we've launched this new experience, we've seen patient engagement go from less than 3% with our legacy tool to over 50% of our patients are engaging just naturally and organically, just because we've made it easy, intuitive and valuable and we've removed friction from people's lives. And you know, sometimes I think that there's this misconception that if you do something that's good for the patient, it comes at the expense of the provider or the clinicians mm-hmm. or the caregivers, or vice versa. But I think there's plenty of opportunities just like this, where there are win-wins across the board, where what's good for the patient is also good for the organization, good for the providers.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's something that just makes so much sense to, to do, but just hasn't always been the prior priority in healthcare, but that's a, that's a big win. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So can you talk about Your relationship with with the CIO, with Brad, kind of how you guys work together, but kind of how your roles complement each other.
1: That's a really great question. If you were to ask a group of 10 people to define digital, you'd probably get 12 different answers, right? And it's very different Mm -hmm. in every organization. I really like how we have approached this at Sanford Health. It makes a lot of sense to me because we have a chief information officer, um, as you mentioned, my colleague, Brad Reimer, and we have a chief digital officer myself. And the way that we've defined his role versus my role is across that technology spectrum. The CIO focuses on the back-end technology, so all of the databases, the infrastructure, the interfaces, the architecture, and the chief digital officer focuses on the front-end technology. So the user experience, the product management, the development of you know, the right applications, the things that people, human beings, actually interact with and engage with from a technology standpoint. And I think often what you see with a lot of organizations that try to bundle it all together under the same person is there's typically sort of an over-indexing on one end of the technology spectrum, sometimes at the expense of the other. And by having both of us, you know, we're very much complementary and we very much collaborate and work together and we have to have alignment in terms of our priorities and our focus, but it allows us to focus resources and attention across the spectrum of technology to ensure that we have a balanced approach that we're focusing on not only keeping the lights on and running the business and meeting operations needs but also thinking about what's next evaluating emerging technologies anticipating what's coming around the corner and assessing what makes sense for us as we we seek to transform ourselves and so it's a really nice balance that allows us to kind of ensure that we're doing the right things so i would say the cio's focus is around things like scalability security reliability of the infrastructure. And my focus is around usability and around engagement and around experience to ensure that it's something that we'll actually find valuable and is going to be something that you know meets people where they're at.
0: Yeah. Well that makes sense. And obviously you have to be able to get along.
1: Absolutely. We (laughs) get along great.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now you've been with the organization for a little over a year.
1: That's right. Yeah. I joined just over a year ago with Sanford Health as the inaugural chief digital officer. So first time this role has existed in the history of the organization. And I think part of that was because of that recognition that in order to ensure that we are focusing our our resources on the right things and that we're providing that balance, you know, we really wanted to have both a, a chief information officer and a chief digital officer. And again, that's something that I've really appreciated. But prior to this role uh, with Sanford Health, you know, I've been in the healthcare industry for for over a decade at a variety of different provider organizations and payer organizations, focusing on patient experience, the member experience, the caregiver experience, the clinician experience. So I've kind of seen a little bit of, across that sort of landscape. Every organization is structured a little bit differently when it comes to digital, as you mentioned before. And you know, some are a little bit more advanced and and more mature in certain areas and further behind in others, but I can appreciate that every healthcare organization is on a similar journey. Everybody's trying to figure it out, and even though each, each organization is a little bit unique.
0: Yeah. And so y- your previous roles, were you necessarily in the digital space?
1: I was, yeah. I've been okay. in, in a variety of digital or technology-oriented roles throughout my career. Interestingly enough, I actually started my career with the intention to become a doctor. So, uh-huh. you know, way back when... I took the MCATs and, you know, went through the application process and I ended up taking what was going to be a temporary job with a a health system that was in the process of implementing an EHR for the Mm -hmm. first time. And, uh, you know, between graduating with my bachelor's degree and matriculating into med school, I worked for this health system and saw firsthand Mm -hmm. uh, through my own experience how technology often really inhibited that patient provider relationship rather than helped to facilitate it. And I, I saw that sacred moment between patient and provider was often disrupted by the technologies of the day. And as a result of that sort of realization, um, I actually turned down an opportunity to go to med school so that I could focus on that problem. And that kind of set me on this path ever since. And has really been the driving force kind of behind my career
0: ever since. Okay. Probably uh, hard to picture now. Things would have gone that way. <laughs>
1: it would have been very different, you know, but yeah. I really love the the career path that I'm in, I think some of the things that just excite me and get me out of bed every morning are just recognizing that, you know, the healthcare digital experience, I think is, it's fairly safe to say that it generally lags behind a lot of other industries when it comes to digital sophistication, right? Mm -hmm. And I I say consumer, I use consumer instead of patient intentionally. And I know that that's somewhat of a, a provocative notion in healthcare, But as we really make that shift from sick care to health care, there's a reason why I think we need to shift our focus from patient to consumer, right? So the root meaning of the word patient means to suffer or to bear. So if you think about that, right, we're really thinking about people when they're suffering or bearing an illness. If we start shifting the focus from sick care to health care, then rather than reactively treating people only when they're ill, how might we proactively prevent illness? and promote health and well-being. And so focusing on consumers rather than patients allows us to consider what people really need upstream and downstream from that traditional visit or encounter experience and you know to become more relevant and valuable in people's lives. The other reason why I like consumer is because you know as an integrated health system we also have residents in our long-term care facilities. We also have members in our health plan. We have customers, you know, through some of our other entities. And so we really want to think about people more holistically not just our patients. But, you know, I think it's, it's safe to say that our consumers are the same people who use other digital experiences like Netflix for entertainment or Amazon for shopping or Delta for traveling, you know, and they really have the same expectations for an easy, intuitive and seamless experience in healthcare. And, you know, I think it's funny, I have younger children. So, you know, one of their favorite places to eat is Chick-fil-A. And one of the reasons why it's one of my favorite places is because of their digital experience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we typically get the same food each time we go, but the yeah. app remembers my order history. It lets me create the same order with one tap, right? Yeah. It knows which card I prefer to pay with. It knows the color mm. of my car when I arrive. It randomly sends me prompts and nudges and rewards and three, you know, free food throughout the week. Um, yeah. So that they stay top of mind the next time we decide to eat out. And I compare that to your typical healthcare experience. And, you know, maybe the only time I, you hear from your health system proactively was when it's time to pay a bill.
0: Yes, right, and sure. you know, I,
1: I'm kind of slightly <laughs> embarrassed to say I think Chick Fil A knows me better than my doctor, and so I think there's such a huge <laughs> opportunity to really meet our patients where they're at, meet our consumers where they're at, and to really transform that experience in a much more
0: meaningful way. Yeah, really well said, and it seems like you you really have embraced rural care. But as you said, I, I forget exactly how you put it, but urban care in the rural setting. And I think that that's yeah. it's so important because so much of this country is rural and really being able to to showcase what can happen and just really improve that that huge sector of the population.
1: Absolutely. One of the things that's unique, we talked about social determinants, but digital equity as a yes. social determinant of health, right? So when we think about digital equity, we're looking at things like internet access, you know, do people have internet access through a, a device, through broadband connectivity or through uh, cellular signal strong enough to, to access the internet? Do they have device availability? So do they have mobile phones? Do they have tablets? Do they have computers with cameras? What does their digital literacy look like? Are they comfortable and confident being able to download, register, and navigate through a digital experience? So those are all things that we're thinking about and that we're evaluating anytime we're seeking to understand our consumers and their needs. Because having the, the slickest mobile app out there does no good for somebody who doesn't have a device or doesn't have connectivity or isn't comfortable or knowing where to look to download it. So we need to meet our patients where they're at. And sometimes that means it's a combination of both online and offline experiences, you know, depending on who they are and what their needs and preferences are.
0: Yeah, that's a really good example of what you talked about, digitization versus digital transformation is really taking into account all of these factors and incorporating them. Absolutely. All right, cool. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, look forward to catching up again soon.
1: Sounds good. Thank you, Kate.